From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Sometimes to have great reward, you have to take great risk. And when we review that risk, we don't always keep the context around it. So the question today isn't, are the Mavs better than they were on Friday by adding Kyrie Irving? The question today is, will the result make it worth it? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And this is Simple HD. We can't talk out of both sides of our mouths. On Friday, the first thing that you and I were talking about, as this news broke, we didn't even have the chance to to think about the last hour of our show. It was absolutely taken apart by the Kyrie Irving news. Our first response was, man, who's going to want to take Kyrie and everything that could come with him? And I'm not even talking about the personal side that has been such a huge heated debate today, even on some of our TV shows. I'm talking about Kyrie, the guy that walks in and says, I don't want to be here anymore. And that is a huge risk. The Mavs are comfortable taking that risk. The question is, what return do they need to get to make it worth it? Well, I'll say a team in the Dallas Mavericks who made the Western Conference Finals a year ago, but you look at their team now and how it's constructed, and you didn't have a Tim Hardaway Jr. last year. You're losing a, a Dorian Finney-Smith, also a Spencer Dinwiddie, who played a vital role in you know getting to that Western Conference Finals um, in 2022 playoff uh, year-wise. Now you have a Kyrie Irving, you have a Luka Doncic, you have two guys that at any given moment that can get you a bucket, right? You have two guys that can get you 45, 50 points on any given night. That's a plus. I think the health of Max Lee Kleber and when he's going to be able to come back, a guy that can knock down the three-point ball, another bigger body. Also, Reggie Bullock, I think he's going to have to step up more. Christian Wood has been phenomenal for this team, who they got in a trade uh, from Houston this offseason. I'm looking forward to seeing can Luka and Kyrie Irving gel together. But here's a chess piece for me. Jason Kidd is their head coach, and he's their head coach not by coincidence. He's their head coach because he played the game at a very high level. He was a point guard, so he understood where people need to be on a, on, on a basketball court spacing-wise. So I think Jason Kidd is going to do a hell of a job, and I believe in him to make sure these two guys are on the same page. You just mentioned Jason Kidd. And I will have to credit because I did not even remember this. I will credit our great Stats and Info group last night for pointing this out. This is the quote from Stats and Info regarding the trade of Kyrie Irving. This isn't the first time the Nets have traded a disgruntled point guard to the Mavericks. In February of 2008, the Nets traded Jason Kidd to the Mavericks after Kidd reportedly wanted out. Now they trade Kyrie to the Mavericks where he will be coached by Kidd. The fact that Jason Kidd can speak to not only, uh, the, frankly, the organization, what it's like to be traded in that moment, why you want it out, all of these things that, that speak to a personal relationship, I think is an important note here. Also, you're right. You've got a point guard talking to a couple of guys about how to share that responsibility. Who's going who's gonna to be off guard? Who's not, right? Who's going to have the ball in their hands? Who's not? There's a chance here, like in a beautiful world, if I want to create 
the Aladdin scenario here where Disney's putting out the perfect movie, uh, all of a sudden you get the growth of Lucas. He shows everything he's capable of while Kyrie set, settles into an environment where maybe he's not under the magnifying glass the same way and maybe he's with the fan base and an ownership group that for whatever reason gets him a little bit more and he feels more confident, more comfortable. And as a result, every day he shows up to work and he feels a little better about the work he's doing. And all of a sudden you've got kumbaya happening between Luca and Kyrie with kid coaching them, able to bridge the gap and bam, you have one of the best teams in the Western Conference. That is the ultimate ideal Disney scenario. But the other side of it is you rent Kyrie essentially for a few months. It, it goes terribly. They don't gel together at all. All of a sudden, kids looking for a job by this summer, and we think less of Luca. And all of a sudden, Kyrie's headed to the Lakers. Like this is ultimate boomer bust. Well, I, I, I'll put it to you like this. I think in making this trade, you also, if you're the Dallas Mavericks, you want to see how Luca is paired up with another superstar. Right, so it, it, it's indicative, and it also gives you the gives you the mindset that okay, moving forward, if we don't sign Kyrie Irving, right, if there's another player out there that we need to go get, if it doesn't work, you're basically saying okay, we know what kind of player that we can't bring in here to pair up with Luca. If it does work, you know what kind of player you do need to come in and pair up with Luca if you don't extend. Kyrie Irving. You see what I'm saying? You, you are talking me, and I can't believe this is happening. Look, I'm, I'm a grown-ass man that will always stand up and admit when I am changing the way I think or when I'm wrong. I will do that a million times out of a million. You are changing my my whole mindset over the course of this show when it comes to the negative possibilities for the Mavs. Because as you pointed out, if this doesn't work out, well, then they've got a bunch of freed up money and they can go out and do what they want to do. Now you're also pointing out that they get the opportunity to see if this works. If it doesn't, then they can sit down with Luca this summer and say, okay, that didn't work. What will work? So uh, now all of a sudden you're changing my whole mindset because now what you have are the Mavericks stepping up and saying, you asked us to be aggressive world. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to bring in the absolute best player that even could have possibly been available for us when we hit the trade deadline. We bring in the best player available. We combine him with ultimately one of the two or three best players in the NBA. Right now, we have an opportunity to win it all. If we don't and it implodes, we'll learn from our lessons. Like that is a Disney scenario here. And the only thing I the only thing I am worried about with the Dallas Mavericks is is them on the defensive end. Um We've already seen what it looks like uh, within the Brooklyn Nets with <laughs> Kevin Durant and, 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 and Kyrie Irving and company when they're trying to outscore everyone, but that other team that they're playing can outscore people too as well as play stifling defense, uh, be, be, two, be a two-way team in those regards and not just one way as a, on the offensive end. So I'm looking forward to seeing if those guys are going to be more committed to the defense and in and, and trying to get stop, stops, especially in crucial moments. Well, one thing we know is we're going to be looking at this dynamic over and over again. Tim, don't call me Jim McMahon, the ESPN Mavericks reporter, was on primetime and said this about how he thinks the dynamic duo will work. Kyrie, we know he's the clear number two here, but it's a lot closer. And I think, you know, it's a totally different type of ego management type of situation. Um, so, you know, I, I think in terms of effectiveness, it's it'll click, click quickly. And, you know, they'll be just fine in terms of, you know, sharing the ball. Like I said, the, the ego management aspect of things. They're going to have to have an, uh, an awareness of that. And, and, and Luca in particular. I think is going to have to have an awareness as the established MVP candidate who did want this trade to happen and is welcoming Kyrie onto his team. 
Yeah, and that's my thing, though, Fitz. Looking at both of these guys, right, and we know both of these players in Luka Doncic and also Kyrie Irving, they're alpha males. But what we've seen from LeBron when he went to, you know, the Miami Heat with him and D-Wade, someone had to defer. Somebody else had to be the Robin, right? I think it's going to kind of be the same type of situation. You're, you're gonna, they're going to figure it out. But also, when it does come crunch time, you don't have to be going back and forth about who has the ball. When you respect one another's game um, at, at the level where both of these guys are able to play at and also make baskets. And Kyrie Irving has one of the most clutch shots, the three-pointer he hit against the Golden State Warriors to basically uh, set them up for, for NBA championship. You don't go back and forth with each other about who's going to take the last shot. You respect each other enough to say, okay, he can make that shot on any given day. And that has me thinking about the one variable we have no idea about what kind of relationship do these two men already have right like because you can speak to this better than I can but I know full well there are plenty of guys in locker rooms that have great relationships with other great players in other locker rooms or even if they don't they've heard enough about each other to have respect for their game or the way they handle themselves or any of those other things right like it yep. is amazing how often we as fans internalize sort of rivalry or the, the thought that two players may not get along or whatever. We try and make these things up or that they have no relationship. I would find it hard to believe that one of the best players in the NBA, in Luka Doncic, would not have at least some sort of a texting relationship with one of the best players in the NBA named Kyrie, right? Like, it just feels like that's so improbable that we, for all we know, they already have that, like, mutual friendship that, like, think of how many people listen to this radio show and they have no idea that we have been friends for years so when we start a radio show together and they're like man just feels like you guys have great chemistry together. well of course we've been friends for years like we have no idea what that element of this relationship is or could be no and, and you know players across every league they talk and they converse with one another especially if you know you have a player that's that, that uh, that's amazed by another person's game, they're going to figure out ways to talk between the cracks and whatnot. We've seen that happen with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. That's how they ended up even playing together, uh, you know what, in Brooklyn. Uh, it's it's going to be really interesting to see what the first two weeks look like. Because to me, the first two weeks of any any partnership is a feeling out period, but it's also a grace period, right? Well, like, Luca, Luca's, Luca's injured right now. Luca has his, the heel right. injury. Oh, that's so, fair. Yeah, that's fair. You know I wasn't I mean? even thinking about that, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and when you look at their numbers without Luca, it has been absolutely abysmal throughout the course of this year. Well, that's another, another that, part of why they make this deal, right? Exactly. 100% to me. That's why they had to make this trade because where they're sitting at, I believe it's the sixth spot right now in the West. That can easily be a different spot out of the play-in scenario situation. So when you have guys that are injured, like a Luka Dunkage, you need to bring somebody else in that can carry the load. And Kyrie Irving has proven he can carry the load when he's out there on the basketball court playing fits. The Mavericks, say that. The Mavericks are 0-7 when Luka doesn't play, losing by an average of 11.6 points per game. That's the worst record for a team without a single player this season. So you're right. Once the two are on the court together, that feeling out period, that grace period is going to be interesting. All right. It's O Rewards Bonus Points Month now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Get two, three, or four times O Rewards points on select purchases to get your next reward even faster. Shop and earn points today to get rewarded at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Woo! I thought you were going to do it with me and you didn't. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. The hate for the Cowboys is real in the NFL. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. About time we had some damn country music bringing us back. Whew. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio. Hey, I uh, want to get you caught up on a little piece of news there in the NFL. A.J. Green has just announced his retirement, so A.J. Green going to be stepping away from the game. Uh, obviously, A.J. Green will be known for some amazing years, especially with the Bengals. Hell of a run, hell of a career. He steps away, Harry, and uh, obviously one of the most respected wide receivers uh, in the NFL. Yeah, a guy who was very wiry, long-rangey, um, could win his one-on-one matchup. So, you know, sad day, but he has another, a next, uh, another chapter in his life that he wants to enter into. So speaking of multiple chapters, uh, y'all know I had multiple chapters coming from the music world into this world that we're in now. Uh, our next guest, uh, he's, had, he's had multiple chapters in the biggest possible way. Yeah, he was a North Carolina running back. That's cool. But he's also a country music star. Chase Rice joining us right now. Uh, Chase, here's the first question. I honestly don't know the answer to this, so I'm going to put you on the spot because uh, the, the new record, I hate Cowboys and all dogs go to hell. Uh, that comes out February 10th. I'm confused because Chris Young, I saw last weekend uh, up here in Connecticut, he's got a single out called "All Dog- All Dogs Go to Heaven." Like, is there is there beef between Chase Rice and Chris Young about dogs and where they go? <laughs> nah, not at all. Um, Chris is great. I, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know anything about that song, but my dog or my song, my album is literally my album is Cowboys and Dogs, and both of those songs on there, I hate Cowboys and All Dogs Go to Hell, two separate songs. But they, they, All Dogs Go to Hell is a web of lies, man. It's all these different things that are clearly not true, from Johnny Cash not being cool to George Strait not being king to Cowboys not wearing boots. It's all just lies, man. No beef there, but. uh all about losing the girl and it's, it's saying her fault and all dogs go to hell it's just a bunch of lies now chase i gotta ask you this question because you went to the university of north carolina right what years were you yeah. there i was there 04 to 09 uh, i was a linebacker oh, there oh we had some good teams with chase yeah, we had some I, good teams there we had a couple bad teams but we had a, we, were, we had some that were really good chase I, I know personally because y'all played against the university of louisville Oh, that was one of the oh, bad teams. Oh, <laughs> yes, 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 Chase. I was on those Louisville teams, my man. I'm sorry I'll to bring this, this up if, right now. <laughs> I'll say this. If I ever hear Elvis boom, boom, Doomerville again, <laughs> it just brings back some bad memories, man. Oh, my God. This and is- I'm, I'm, I'm also close with Arthur Smith, who, who was on those teams as well. So we talk about Elvis Doomerville all the time. Oh, man, that was a brutal night. That that in the Clemson game, it was the same season. Uh, we were supposed to be pretty good that year. We went 3-9, and nine, and that was in the middle of my career. We had some bad teams, and that was that was a team that had talent, but, God, we could not figure it out. We got beat by y'all, I think, by 70 or 60. It was brutal. Oh, <laughs> now that you mentioned that, Chase, that's what's going to get clipped off, and Harry's just going to constantly rerun this to remind us, as one of the promos does it, he's a Louisville legend. We're talking to uh, Chase Rice. You can check out uh, I Hate Cowboys and All Dogs Go to Hell. The album comes out February 10th. Uh, how are you watching the Super Bowl, dude? Like, what, what, what are the big Super Bowl plans for Chase Rice? Uh, well, I'm going to be in Phoenix. Uh, we're doing a bunch of press. The album comes out Friday. So I'll be in Denver, or really Golden, Colorado, where they make all the course banquet. On Friday, then Saturday, I'm heading over to Phoenix. Um, so I'll be around. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. Walker Bueller, who's a pitcher for the Dodgers, he's going to be around. We may go golfing and, and watch a little bit of the game that day. Um, so I don't really have any full plans for it, but I, li- I like watching them at a house. Like, get me away from the game. Get me away from the mess. 
I'd rather just be in a house with a bunch of chips and dip. Oh, is chip and dip the only thing that you will be partaking in? Um, oh any kind of, I mean, you know, on. alcohol no, of any such? Now. I, I want to know what you like, Chase. I want to know what's your favorite. What's your go-to? Nah, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so I'll be dialed in with some Jack Daniels. Um, Ooh. Pretty heavy. I'll probably have a gallon of Jack Daniels that day and maybe about 16 <laughs> course banquets. It's going to be a good day. Bad, bad Monday morning, though. Oh, my God. That's, uh, it's amazing. Do you ever, like, this is, uh, look, I know we should talk about, you know, football or, or music, but I, I got to ask, like, after all the years on the road, I just, uh, Jack, I, I can't do Jack anymore. Like, there's just a spot for me where I'm just, like, I'm jacked out. I'm done. I can no longer Jack in my life. Uh, where, where, like, is there anything in your life that you're, like, any of the liquor that you're, like, look, this tour, I'm just retiring that brand for right now see i got my uh can't do jack phase out when i was in college because <laughs> i had a real bad experience with it early on in college and then i couldn't do it and then one night i just picked it back up again and i've been on it ever since so that phase is long past for me i, I think i'll always be a jack guy I, that's just my go-to um i'm a vodka no no don't get vodka away from me always i can't do vodka we're talking to Chase Rice. Uh, I'm always interested in the country music trash talking because you guys were talking, obviously, about North Carolina where you played and Louisville where Harry played. But, like, most country artists are SEC guys, like, through and through. Uh, North Carolina's had a, a little bit better run, right? Like, is there somebody you're trash talking all the time on Saturdays? Nah, not really. I grew up a Gator uh, growing up down in Florida, so they need to get it together, clearly. Um, North Carolina, man, they... They got, yeah, they got Drake May. They got good things going. But the, the culture, something's got to change there to where it's not okay to have a 9-10 win season. Like, that's not great. I'm sorry. But if you want to be great and be considered one of the better teams in college football, you got to win 12 games or at least win 11-12, you know, win your conference and have a shot at the playoff. Till that happens, um, I'm not really going to be happy with Carolina's you know where they're at, and I don't think they will be. I mean, why would you be? If, if, that's, if you want to win 9-10 games, that's not enough. I like his mindset. Chase, Harry we just are, put we on had, a cowboy hat. Had, I don't know what that Because he got me excited here. because okay. we had more okay. in common than I thought we, we, <laughs> we had when, before he came on. I grew, up a, I grew up a Florida fan as well. I wanted to play for Steve Spurrier. He wasn't there when I went out, came out of high school. It was Ron Zook. I did not want to no longer go to Florida. Yep. But I used to go to Leonardo's, my favorite pe- uh, pizza place on university. is not there anymore. My mom went to the University of Florida. My dad is from Gainesville, Florida. So, Chase, we're in the same boat, my man. And I put my cowboy hat on because I'm supporting you. I'm supporting you, Chase. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, man, like the swamp's not there anymore. The stadium is, but not the bar. Um, yeah, I was the same boat. Uh, we grew up in the Spurrier days, Spurrier versus, versus Bowden. Then Butch Davis comes into Miami. In the 90s, man, Florida football, Florida, yes. Florida State, Miami, was they were the kings. And when Spurrier left, yeah, Zook came in. I, I was the same boat. Like, not, I'm good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check out Florida State, Tennessee, North Carolina, and all those schools. But – Man, the Gators, I hope they get back. All right, Chase, it's never too early for a Super Bowl prediction. Who you got in the game? Uh, doesn't, I'm pretty sure Philly has a bunch of Alabama players, so I'm going with them because I feel like they just win everything. <laughs> so I'm going with Philly just because they got a bunch of bunch of roll tiders on there. That's amazing. All right, the, the, the record, I hate Cowboys and all dogs go to hell. Like, What's your favorite thing about this record compared to everything else you've ever done? I mean, this doesn't even – this doesn't even compare to anything I've done, really. I mean, the whole process was different. This is me with an acoustic guitar a lot. Um, it's real. I mean, it took me 10 years to really figure out what I'm great at and what I want to do and what I definitely want to stay away from. And 
more of the pop popular stuff I've done in my career. I'm not doing that no more. Um, just that's not where I am. So this is a real record. It's got dog songs. It's got cowboy songs. Uh, it's actually got a song called Bench Seat that we put out last week that's just killing it right now. Um, they, that's a song about my buddy who, you know, almost ended his own life and, and didn't because of his dogs. So there's a lot of real stuff on here that I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate to. Man, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you getting music out there for the world on this one. The album comes out February 10th. Be well, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. Great talking to y'all, man. It's Chase Rice and the album, I Hate Cowboys and All Dogs Go to Hell, out February 10th, available wherever you stream your music. Get out there, get it. Check Chase out live, dude. Does a great job. A hell of a show that he always puts on. There's one aspect of the Kyrie Irving trade that has been completely forgotten about. We'll explain it. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The divorce papers have been filed. Woj reporting the Brooklyn Nets are trading Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks. They still hope they can win, but the reality is you can't replace Kyrie Irving. For all the drama he causes, he is an incredible player. I think that the Mavs have put themselves in a position to be potentially the front runner in the Western Conference. When you get into business with Kyrie, you also have to accept that at some point, things are going to break down. I'm just saying, you know what's a blockbuster trade in the NBA when we're leading off Super Bowl week talking about a transaction in the association. But that's exactly what happens as over the weekend, Kyrie Irving became a Dallas Maverick. And the question is, what does that mean for the Brooklyn Nets? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz, hanging out with Harry Douglas. And our Wolfpack grows by one. Sarah Kustok, Yes Network uh, Nets analyst, joins us now. Sarah, really appreciate your time. We were just talking about it during the break. Like The, the Nets were playing well with Kyrie over the last couple of weeks. How do they keep up any momentum without him? I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. I, I know all of us are, are very anxious not only to see how this trade impacts uh, the Dallas Mavericks, but also how it impacts the Brooklyn Nets. I think the one thing when it comes to Brooklyn, um, not just how they've been playing, but how they've been playing in the absence of Kevin Durant, I think the hope is that he'll be able to return from that injury um, sometime sooner rather than later. Uh, he will get another uh, evaluation tomorrow, and so whether it comes before the all-star break whether it's shortly after i think that obviously shifts the dynamic of of what they can do how they can play but i think as this trade stands for now um given the fact that you know Kyrie did request the trade he did was not bought in anymore didn't want to be there i think you get two guys that complement the roster really really well a player in Spencer Dinwiddie who you know by all accounts is having a year where he's shooting the three the best you've seen out of him he can go north south he gets downhill really well he's obviously a great facilitator another long athletic guy on the defensive side, and then Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, with his size, with his ability to guard, the versatility he brings um, on that defensive end, which is something Brooklyn obviously really, really needs. They still have shooters. Um, you know, I, I think these two guys will be pieces that will certainly help, but uh, it goes without saying, you know, the talent and the skill of Kyrie is hard to replace, but sometimes I think fit, chemistry, buy-in, all of those things um, ultimately translate into winning sometimes more uh, than just the skill level of a player. 
That's a good note by you, Sarah. Uh, two guys that one is six seven, one is six six. So you talk about being two way players and being able to defend, in, in which the Brooklyn Nets really do need. But the way the Brooklyn Nets are constructed now, do you see still see them as a, a title contender? I, I think they would still believe that. I think anytime you have Kevin Durant on your roster, Harry, the, the hope is that uh, yeah. you you can contend for a, a title. And I think, you know, with what these guys bring to the table, so you look at a lineup potentially of a Kevin Durant, a Nick Claxton, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, add in, you know, the fifth player who you want that's a shooter, and whether it is a Spencer or someone else, uh, Seth Curry, you know, you got shooting, you got length, you got defenders, you got guys who can score. Uh, but the East is, is a monster this season in particular. I mean, the way Milwaukee's been playing, obviously Boston, the continuity those two teams bring to the table. Philadelphia has been incredible. I think all of us, you know, kind of waiting to see, okay, these next couple of days, what happens with the trade deadline? Are there any moves that are made uh, that really fortify any of those teams? I think there's a lot of eyes on the Toronto Raptors um, to see if any pieces from there, which could be impactful for teams, could get moved. Uh, Cleveland has been a team that's playing really well. So I, I do believe that they would still be title contenders. However, I, I think, you know, Overall, you look at the East, and some of those top teams in the East are extremely, extremely good. So, Sarah, one of the things that we've heard here is that, you know, as much as Kyrie can be polarizing, teammates loved him because he put in the work. It sounds like that might not be the case with Ben Simmons. How does the organization fix whatever their problem is there with him? I, you know, that's I'm not quite sure. And I don't know if I'd go as far as to say as not putting in the work. I think it's just about health and availability. And thus far, you know, with the Nets, obviously, with Philadelphia as well, that's not necessarily been the case consistently. I think the challenge was in the early part of the season, he was coming back from that back surgery. And so when he got on the floor, was starting to play, starting to play in game action, you saw the trajectory of how he improved. I think you saw his confidence flourishing, the better you know conditioning he got, game conditioning he got just from getting that type of game reps once again. Um, and then was out for a little bit, you know, with some knee soreness, some back soreness has been hit or miss and obviously this most recent bout which uh, is the Nets play the Clippers tonight I think at this point he's still questionable with the knee that's had him about the last couple games I think a lot of it is just how he fits but it, it's always a challenge figuring out how someone fits when they're not always on the floor and not available and um, you know the past two games when he was he, he was not closing games I think between him and Nick Claxton trying to have both those guys on the floor together who are not good free or, you know, I would say middle of the road free throw shooters at this point, mediocre, subpar, um, on the floor together in closing time. It's it's always a big challenge for a lineup. Um, So I I think it's going to be a wait-and-see process. He obviously has, um, you know, a handful of strengths in what he does defensively and how he could pass and how we could push tempo, but how he fits with the lineup and and who's on the floor, I think it's still a feel-out process for Jack Vaughn and his coaching staff. Real quick before we get you out of here, anything that you've heard on the latest with KD? Uh, you know, I, I all I know is that he's still a member of the Brooklyn Nets. I expect him to see uh, to see him uh, in, in street clothes bench here tonight against the Clippers, and, and so the hope is that you know he he is still uh, he's still as bought in as he was before, was playing at a championship level or uh, MVP level, you know, prior to his injury. So so that's all I know, and that's what I hope for, especially since I. I Thoroughly enjoy calling his games every single night. Sarah, we really appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the information.
Jason, Harry, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Sarah Kustak, yes, network Nets analyst with all of the thoughts on this big blockbuster trade. The question is, what does the trade mean for two of the biggest NBA stars not named Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving? We'll break it down next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. One, two, three. Three, three, three. Three is a magic number. Do you ever do this or do you kids ever do this when they go to the theater and there's like, uh, you know, 52 different types of soda and they just put a little in the glass and they go up and down the list. It's like making this whole hodgepodge of soda, soda, soda. It's like Coke and orange and Sprite and it's all going in the same glass. I sometimes feel like that's what LeBron is doing every time there's somebody out there he wants to play with. He's like, well, I want to play with that one. So I'm going to put it in the cup. I want to play with him. I want to put it in the cup. I want to play with and that's cool until you get the, like the one thing that doesn't fit right in the cup all of a sudden. Oh, like you're Russell going up, Westbrook. Right, right. Russell Westbrook just <laughs> squirt. Like you're going up and down the thing. You're like, I got Coke. I got Coke Zero. I got Orange. I got Sprite. This is all working together. And then you got like the weird grapefruit sour thing that nobody wants. That's Russ. And so all of a sudden, like, it's cool that you wanted to bring in Kyrie. But you got squirt, bro. And if you got squirt in the cup, you can't mix that with anything. Three hours later. I stand by the analogy. Russell Westbrook is squirt. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, which means the Lakers just sat down in the theater, super excited about this hodgepodge drink they made, only to realize when they take a drink of it that it sucks. And now there's nothing you can do other than pour it out and start all the way over. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, I'm all in on this thing. Uh, The Lakers are stuck, and uh, the Lakers are stuck, HD, and I I think in a really important way here in the sense that we keep trying to fix the Lakers to make them championship caliber. Like There are two very separate conversations about the Lakers. Conversation number one, LeBron's playing lights out, and it should get all the respect in the world. Conversation two, ain't going to matter because they ain't going to win a title. So like, if we want individual performance conversation, let's talk about the Lakers. If we want to have title conversations, Let's stop wasting our breath. No, I agree with you, Fitz. I don't think the Lakers are going to be able to contend for NBA championship. I even said this past offseason on first take that they'll be lucky if they get one playoff win uh, in a series, right? And right now they're sitting in outside the outside looking in, trying to get into a play-in situation, which involves seeds seven through ten, right? Yeah, seven through ten. And they're 13th right now at the moment. So they have a lot of ground to be making up. Here's the good thing about it. Uh, even though I say they have a lot of ground, you have a lot of teams that are bunched up together in record. And I think for the Lakers, right, moving forward, I just think they need to hone in and focus on what they actually do have and what they can do with the guys they do have right now in the roster and how can they propel forward to try to get into a play-in situation or even jump up to the sixth seed if, if, if they can. Look, at some point, you just got to figure out what you're cooking with and cook. And that's where I think the Lakers are right now. They, they're not going to be able to get the, the nice things that LeBron wants around him. But that's also partially LeBron's fault. I mean, everything about the way this roster is constructed, the way the team is built, where they are right now, LeBron has at least been advised on every step of the way. And so whatever they look like, whoever they are, whatever they lack in equity, like this is that moment where, frankly, it, because you were impatient so many times in acquiring just other guys, now you've run out of any room to acquire anybody else. And that's 
that's just that's just the reality the Lakers are going to be facing. So rather than sit here and constantly run around in circles chasing our tails over what the Lakers can do, maybe we should just admit they can't do anything and they're just going to be who they are. That being said, AD and LeBron get healthy. God only knows. And, 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 that's, and that's the thing for me. Both of those guys have to remain healthy, right? Russell Westbrook is... Uh, it's going to be able to provide something for you, not to the caliber of, of superstar in this league, but he's going to be able to provide something. Uh, Hachimara, he's going to have to be able to step up more. They got him in the trade uh, with, the, with the Washington Wizards. Now, uh, I'm looking at in the Western Conference, right, seats four through 13. If I'm the Lakers, I'm looking at right now, they're, they're 25 and 29. The Clippers are only 30 and 26, you, you see what I'm saying? So, so yeah. all the way to the fourth seat down, it's not a big gap. So just hone in, have tunnel vision, focus on the task at hand and trying to make up ground to get yourself in a position to where you can compete in the playoffs. Now, granted, who you play, I don't think you're going to be able to beat the Denver Nuggets. I don't think you're going to be able to beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Sacramento is playing hell of a basketball Can't right now. I can't believe we're actually saying that oh, out loud, but you're right. That's, that's <laughs> why. Like, just the fact that you just said Sacramento, I'm like, uh-huh. Like, that's just feel, what, what, what alternate universe are we living in right now? Oh, I know. It's I know. The, the hard thing for me is it is I'm willing to admit that the scale that we're judging these teams on are different. Right, like that's the thing. For me, if you're Sacramento, you just want to get in the playoffs. It's been so damn long. I mean, you just want to get in the playoffs. If you're the Lakers, it, it's not about getting into the play-in. It's not about. And I know once you're there, anybody has a chance. I just don't believe that this team does. So, like, I I believe. Well, for, but 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 for them though, it it is for them. They they got to try to get into the play-in because. Them getting into the play-in actually allows them to, you know, try to go further. Do I think that's going to happen, them going further? Hell to the no. I don't think by any means. I don't think that we will allow a long playoff run to be viewed as a success for the Lakers no matter what. They've had too many championships. So the Lakers and the Celtics, because of their past, their future is always going to be judged on their past. There's there's nothing any of us can do about that. So even if the Lakers were to get a a first-round win in the playoffs, uh, we're still not going to look around and be like, oh, that was a ton of us. We're going to look at it and say, well, what's LeBron got to do at his age to be surrounded by ways to win championships? And the answer today to the championship championship conversation is like you mentioned teams in the west but let's also acknowledge that if you're being judged on championships there's a a not just a, a moat not just a, a river there's an ocean dividing the best teams in the east from where the lakers are like even if they can rise through the west like a phoenix through the ashes all they're gonna do is set themselves up <laughs> to get their asses kicked in the nba finals because like realistically we're talking about the Bucks being that much better we're talking about the heat being that much better we're talking about the 76 being that much better. We're talking about the Celtics being that much better. Like up and down the list, like they're all just wildly oh, better oh, than the Lakers. But I got something for you though. Okay. Since LeBron James has, you know, since he went to LA to the Lakers, mm-hmm. 2018-19, they missed the playoffs. 2019-20 is when they won the championship down there in the bubble. 2020-21, they made the playoffs but lost in the first round. Last year they missed the playoffs. So it's not like, you know, there's been major success with LeBron James in L.A. outside of that, you know, that title that they won, they won within the bubble. When you say it that way, I guess funny because on Friday I said that the Nets disaster at this point is the biggest, uh, biggest failure we've seen in, in any sports franchise in years. When you talk about it that way, I mean, the bubble title is a big yeah, but. But man, yeah, but the rest of it is just... 
It's just fail after no, fail here, after fail. Here's the bombshell, though. It, this season, 2022-23, they're on the verge of missing the playoffs again. When you put it all together, they're on the verge of missing the playoffs again. And and if that happens, you got to look at it like look at LeBron and say, what's the point? Like I know the point is that he's about to set the career scoring record, and we're all going to be in love with what that means for his career, and rightfully so. But you know, at some point, you got to look at it and say, if LeBron really wants to win championships, there's a fair question to ask: Can that even happen with the Lakers? And if it can't, does he need to go somewhere else? Quickly, here's another point: You ask, what's the point? The Lakers need to ask themselves that as well as an organization. Yeah, I mean, it feels like right now they're just all running it back and none of it's going to work. I do know LeBron and AD going to join Kenny and Carlin. You don't want to miss that. Thanks for hanging out with Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.